Chapter 27 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2, by Arthur L. Hayward. Chapter 27. The Life of Thomas Smith, a Highwayman. There is a certain commendable tenderness in human nature towards all who are under misfortunes, and this tenderness is in proportion to the magnitude of those evils which we suppose the pitied person to labor under. If we extend our compassion to relieving their necessities, and feeling a regret for those miseries which they undergo, we undoubtedly discharge the duties of humanity according to the scheme both of natural religion and the laws laid down in the gospel perhaps no object ever merited it from juster motives than this poor man who is the subject of the following pages his parents were people in tolerable circumstances in southwark his father was snatched from him by death while he was yet a child but his mother as far as she was able was very careful that he should not pass his younger days without instruction, and an uncle he then had, being pleased with the docile temper of the youth, was at some expense also about his education. By this means he came to read and write tolerably well, and gained some little knowledge of the Latin tongue, and, having a peculiar sweetness in his behavior, it won very much upon his relations, and encouraged them to treat him with great indulgence but unfortunately for him by the time he grew big enough to go out apprentice or to enter upon any other method of living his friends suddenly dropped off and by their death becoming in great want of money he was forced to resign all the golden hopes he had formed and for the sake of present subsistence submit to becoming footman to a gentleman who was, however, a very good and kind master to him, till, in about a year's time, he died also, and poor Smith was again left at his wit's end. However, out of this trouble he was relieved by an Irish gentleman who took him into his service and carried him over with him to Dublin. There he met with abundance of temptations to fall into that loose and lascivious course of life which prevails more in that city, perhaps, than in any other in Europe. But he had so much grace at that time as to resist it, and after a stay there of twenty months, returned into England again, where he came into the service of a third master, no less indulgent to him than the two former had been. In this last service, an odd accident befell him, in which, though I neither believe myself, nor inclined to impose on my readers that there was anything supernatural in the case of it yet i fancy the oddness of the thing may under the story i am going to tell prove not disagreeable in a journey which thomas had made into herefordshire with his first master he had contracted there an acquaintance with a young woman daughter to a farmer in tolerable circumstances this girl without saying anything to the man fell it seems desperately in love with him and about three months after he left the country died 
one night after his coming to live with this last master he fancied he saw her in a dream that she stood for some time by his bedside and at last said thomas a month or two hence you will be in danger of a fever and when that is over of a greater misfortune have a care you have hitherto always behaved as an honest man do not let either poverty or misfortunes tempt you to become otherwise and having so said she withdrew in the morning the fellow was prodigiously confounded yet made no discovery of what had happened to any but the person who lay with him though the thing made a very strong impression on his spirits and might perhaps contribute not a little to his falling ill about the time predicted by the phantom he had seen this fever soon brought him very low and obliged him to make away with most of his things in order to support himself upon recovery he found himself in lamentable circumstances being without friends without money and out of business unfortunately for him coming along the haymarket one evening he happened to follow a gentleman somewhat in liquor who knowing him desired that he would carry him home to his house in st martin's lane to which thomas readily agreed but as they were going along thither a crowd gathered about the gentleman who became as quarrelsome as they and took it into his head to box one of the mob in order to do which more conveniently he gave smith his hat and cane and his wig smith held them for some time the mob forcing them along like a torrent till the gentleman whose name was brown made up a court near northumberland house and smith thereupon marched off with the things the necessity he was under so far blinding him that he made no scruple of attempting to sell them the next day by which means mr brown hearing of them he caused smith to be apprehended as a street robber and to be committed to newgate though he had the good luck notwithstanding to get all his things again it seems he visited the poor man in prison and if he did not prevaricate at his death made him some promises of softening at least if not of dropping the prosecution which as smith asserted prevented his making such a preparation for his defence as otherwise he might have done which proved of very fatal consequence to him since on the evidence of the prosecutor he was convicted of the robbery and condemned never poor creature suffered more or severer hardships in the road of death than this poor man did for by the time sentence was passed all that he had was gone and he had scarce a blanket to cover him from downright nakedness during the space he lay in the hold under sentence as he was better principled in religion than any of the other malefactors he had retained his reading so well as to assist them in their devotions and to supply in some measure the want of somebody constantly to attend them in their preparation for another world so he picked up thereby such little assistances from amongst them as prevented his being starved before the time appointed for their execution came as this man did not want good sense and was far from having lost what learning he had acquired in his youth 
so the terrors of an ignominious death were quickly over with him and instead of being affrighted with his approaching fate he considered it only as a relief from miseries the most piercing that a man could feel under which he had labored so long that life was become a burden and the prospect of death the only comfort that was left he died with the greatest appearance of resolution and tranquillity on the third august seventeen twenty six being then about twenty-three years of age End of chapter twenty seven recording by Linda Johnson